Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Nate, are you glad you went to college, man? All right, I mean, yes, I am. You're, you're you're glad you made that decision. Uh, you could have just yeah. gone, you know, professional as a hunter right out of uh, high school, <laughs> and uh, probably be doing just as well. But, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's good that you went. You got obviously some great connections up there. Are you still at uh, UW Platteville? Yep, still at Platteville. One more year. Wow, that's crazy how fast that time has gone. Yeah, you you still playing baseball? Nope, nope, stop that after the first year. Yeah, it's so most people don't realize how challenging it is to um be an athlete and a student at the same time. It's yeah. It's a it's a whole new level once you get to college and um I played football for one year in college and it was uh one of the most challenging. That was when I realized there's not enough time in the day to get straight A's. No. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, you know, you got to be basically just a genius. I had a roommate in college. Um, I always say he's the smartest, you know, like most raw, intelligent person I've ever met. And he would slack like you wouldn't believe. And But he was busy. Like he worked a lot. And, uh, he had a girlfriend, which that keeps, you know, that, that (laughs) takes time. And, uh, he liked to work out and, um, you know, he liked to follow sports. And, uh, so he was, he was busy. He went out for football one year. Um, and, uh, when we would be in class, so this is physics class, not like gen physics. This is, this is, uh, or what do they call it? Intro to physics or something. It's not that it's, it's gen. Yeah. So it would be gen physics. Like the, you know, if you're going to be a doctor, you're taking this class. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, so this would be like gen physics, one and two, eight credits worth of physics. He would be falling out of his chair asleep. (laughs) I mean, so, I mean, getting like REM sleep sitting there you know he's he'd have, oh, his, he'd have his arms folded like this like real tight and he'd be leaning <laughs> over and just like you know doing the little the little uh jerk back awake type thing yeah. and our prof would ask a, he'd be like explaining something for 20 minutes and then he would ask a question about what he was just explaining and all of us were like huh and my roommate <laughs> would like come to life He'd like wake up, you know, blink a few times, answer the question correctly, and immediately go back to sleep. <laughs> it was not right, man. So he was the one person, you know, that could like have all this stuff going on, still slack, and still get straight A's. But I was not that way. I had to, I had to you know, really try to uh, <laughs> to get an A in in physics and. And in all my other classes too, honestly. And so, but I, I, yeah. I learned and not that I got straight A's by any means, but I did learn, <laughs> uh, that that's like not doable, you know, while I was doing sports, no. it's just, it's too much. And then yeah. obviously you're not just hunting a little bit while you're in college. 
you're like getting after it. And yeah. now granted yeah. spring, you got turkeys, but you know, it, it is a little bit easier unless you're going to go bear hunting somewhere yeah. to, to fit that in. But still it's a lot, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. And I remember you saying, I think it was, I think I must've, the last time we talked must've been your sophomore year. I think. Huh? Yeah, that was, sounds about right. And it was you and some of the other guys from dorm yep. room outdoors, which does dorm room outdoors still exist? Is that? No, it is. It's now the land shake, I believe. Right. Yep. And so back then it was dorm room outdoors, but then those guys kind of graduated, right? And yeah, all of them graduated. Okay. And so the name no longer really, really, uh, applied anymore. No. And, uh, they, they, uh, moved on and which, you know, that's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> it's good to graduate. Yeah. And, uh, uh, they've been doing some really cool stuff now and it's been fun watching them still. But uh, I remember you talking about studying in the tree stand while you were uh, <laughs> while you were um, still a student. But uh, you st- yeah. you stay in touch with those guys at all anymore? Uh yeah, a couple of them. Like two I talk to the most. They're both out west now working, so that's got cool. some connections out there. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, and uh, um, are you just gonna like hit it really hard this fall for your last year up there in Wisconsin? As much as I can, yeah. Yeah, so like what what's the plan going into this? Well, you know what, before we do that, let's 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 hit that later. How, have you tagged any deer since you became a student in Wisconsin? Like I know you've been tearing it up in Illinois still, but in Wisconsin yeah, have you filled any tags? Last year I opened a night I killed a doe up there and then I try I try not to be as selective out there because I got four years to get a cheap out-of-state license, and right, it just it don't happen. A three-year-old walks in and he walks right out because I can't get myself to pull the trigger on him. So yeah, hopefully, th- hopefully this is the year that a big boy shows up and gives me an opportunity. Yeah. Now, what are you gonna do if it's like, you know, unless maybe you're planning to live in Wisconsin someday, but. uh It'd be pretty tough to leave Illinois for Wisconsin for whitetail. Yes, yeah. Um, Especially, like, a, a lot of the time I get a hunt on the weekends, and I, the deer I got running around back here, I I can't <laughs> stay up there and try to hunt. Yep, that's right, that's right. So, so um, if you have a three-year-old, we'll say, a, we'll say you got a 135 three-year-old, and it's, like, November – 30th and you're in Wisconsin. What are you doing? Probably shooting him. Yeah, that a boy. Get, yeah. that, get that rack on your wall. Yep. And yeah. You know, and Wisconsin needs help. They they have too many deer. They, they, they there's they, a lot of deer. Yep. And CWD is a major problem up there. Um and uh that's part of the management. And a friend of mine, Doug Duran, he has found that um, the young bucks. So he used to do this program on his farm called nice buck next year. Um, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, some official thing. It was the thing that his family came up yeah. with. 
And uh, he, it, the idea was, hey, if you let him walk, he might look nice. You know, like a 135 three-year-old looks pretty nice, you know? Um, yeah, especially for someone that hasn't killed right. that many big bucks. Right, right. And, and you know, it's going to be awful tempting to drop the hammer on a buck like that. But the idea was, yeah, but just think how he would look next year. You know, nice buck next year. Yeah. And what he found, though, after doing more research with chronic wasting disease, he's probably been, you know, the biggest name who has really stayed close to that issue. Um, and uh, what he, he has found is that it's the young bucks through research and observation, I imagine. Uh, he has found it's the younger bucks that aren't able to really establish themselves during the rut on their home turf. They get pushed out by the older bucks, you know, and they're constantly on the move. Okay. They're the ones that are running around from farm to farm to farm. Uh, whereas the older bucks are the, their home bodies, you know, they've established their dominance and we see that here, you know, at our latitude in Illinois and Iowa, um, you've probably heard guys talk about how after Thanksgiving can be like a great time to kill a buck because, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And in fact, I remember one year you did, um, I think he had fangs. We'll talk about that later, but, um, yeah. but, uh, the, the deal with that is, um, these younger bucks, if they end up having chronic wasting disease and they're getting bumped off these farms by these older bucks, well, now they're, they're transmitting disease a lot more than the older bucks are. And so yeah. there's a management, what's the right term here? Like a management, um, objective, I guess you could say, or reason to target younger bucks in, you know, CWD prevalent zones. And so, yeah, you know, you can always use that for justification too. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So what'd you uh, end up uh, shooting last year? You got a doe in Wisconsin. I know you shot yeah, at least doe. one or two bucks, didn't you, in Illinois? Yeah, doe in Wisconsin, a doe during one of the later gun seasons in Illinois. Then I shot two bucks with my bow in Illinois and or didn't, didn't get the one back and neighbor found him and oh that's right he, he was he was going to keep him and so yeah yeah, yeah. walk a, tag around walk, one buck walk us through that whole story that is a crazy rage i for, i'm so glad we're bringing this up yeah. man that like made me so mad when i heard that story share it with our listeners but, but yeah so i believe it's November 7th, I'd been on a big deer and just was struggling. And I passed the deer in the morning, regretted it, went back that same stand in the afternoon. And like an hour and a half before dark, that, that deer started coming back. And he ended up at like 21, 22 yards. What size are we talking stopping. here? He's probably mid-30s as an eight. Nice. That's a good, so that's a good age. He's, Mature deer, though. And yeah. So the reason I passed him, in the, he had a busted G2, and I mm. couldn't – it was still – it was first light, and I couldn't really tell how big he was. Mm -hmm. And then I got, a, I got a good look at him and watched him come in for a while. Yeah. So Just I a big, chunky shoot body this, on him. Yeah. Shoot this buck, and I hit him a little bit forward, and 
instantly you get that gut feel and you just know it no it's not not where you're trying to get him yeah yeah so i watch him run off and he's he's dragging his front leg i i hit him in the shoulder and so he he stops up on top of the hill and he's still got the arrow sticking out of him he takes off down over the hill and I, I lose sight of him so i don't know, give him i don't know, give him probably about three four hours come back pick up blood we tracked him probably two mm. 200 yards and mm. still hadn't found the arrow so that usually if you hit a deer in the shoulder and it doesn't get through the shoulder the arrow is going to pop off within mm. 20 30 yards right and so we never found the arrow after that 200 yards so it led me to believe that i had enough in him that it was going to do what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And he ran onto a neighbor's that we, they're not, not the nicest guys. We'll just say that they mm-hmm. think all the deer in that area are theirs. Mm. And so, so I backed out, tried getting a hold of my landowner because this is the crazy part. It is my landowner's brother-in-law oh. that owns this land. So I had to go back to school and he was like, I'll get a hold of him in the morning. And I'm like, all right, I got buddies that'll, that went with me. They know where we left off. They can go get him if we get permission. Mm-hmm. My landowner calls me the next morning and says, Hey, they found your buck. So I'm like, I'm like sweet. Like that was, yeah, that was simple enough. Yeah. So I get a hold of, try getting a hold of the guy. He never answers me, never calls me back do again he finally answers me i'm like oh yeah I'm like when can I'll, I'll be home this weekend if i'm able to come pick him up for me or i got because yeah. the coyotes had completely ate him mm. down to the bones so i'm like i'll come pick the head up from me at least he's like well I, g- I gave it to my nephew he's gonna keep it oh what so we we went through this whole ordeal and i I never even got pictures of the buck. They wouldn't send me pictures of them. Uh, that is just yeah. wrong. Yeah. So, so like, was there, I mean, was there any going back and forth over it after that? Or did he just go radio silent? No, he, yep. He won't answer me. He tells me he'll talk to his nephew. I'll give him like a week or two and I'll message him again. He, no, I haven't talked to him. I haven't talked to him. Do you know who his yeah. nephew is? Any chance you could reach yeah. out to him? I've tried. He's Man. he's got him. He won't send me pictures either. Man, that yeah, that's just cruel. Yeah. It is. Are they? Do they? Are they kind of anti hunters? Is that part no, of it? The nephew's a big, the nephew's a big hunter. Really, and he gets yeah. he gets excited by holding on to somebody else's uh, trophy. I guess so. Wow. I guess so. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I guess maybe at least you can kill deer for others since uh, yeah. they yeah. they must have trouble getting their own, I'm I guess. Sure. I'm sure it'll look good on his wall, so. Yeah, man, that is, wow, that is that is yeah. just low. If you're listening to this, yeah. uh, you know, if you're listening to this, I can already count on that you're a good person. You would never do this. <laughs> but if you ever felt inclined or if you uh, knew somebody doing this, tell them to knock it off. 
and go get their own buck and give it back to the rightful owner. I wish Illinois was a right to track state. And uh, then used you could, to be. Oh, really? With with DNR permission, it used to be. So what happened there? I it's probably been six, seven, eight years ago. They went away with it. Wow, that's that's a shame because you know who that yeah. falls on. I I could almost guarantee you. I don't know the story. This is the first I've heard of it. But I can almost guarantee you that falls on hunters. You know what I mean? Yep. Like uh, guys getting in fights because they're hunting the rut and someone's deer comes and dies on their property. Now, granted, no one's going to be happy, right? No, seeing, no. Seeing someone coming in to get their deer, but it is part of it. And it's better to have that than to not have that. And yeah. And uh, if we, we got to find ways to work together to, to mm-hmm. protect things like that. So if you're listening in for this and your fellow Iowan like me, um, we have right to track. It's important we do it the right way. We try and get in contact with landowners to let them know, hey, I'm going to be coming on to look for a deer, you know, and then maybe they'll tell you, well, can you wait like a couple hours because I'm out yeah. here? Sure, absolutely, man. Um, uh, or, you know, maybe it's no big deal at all and you can just go out and look. And some of that's just time of year too, you know, like late muzzy, you're probably not going to disturb anybody, but, no. uh, November, you know, 15th, you're probably going to disturb somebody. So, yeah. you know, you gotta be, everyone's gotta be smart too with how they, how they plan all that out. But man, what a, what a downer that, that is, yeah. that is yeah. too bad, man. But so, uh, what about the one you did bring home though? Tell us that story. Yeah. So the following weekend, that, that's, that tree has been a tree that's produced for years. Like I, I can go through my house and count seven, eight, nine bucks. And over that one thirty mark that has been, that's come from that tree. Wow. So you better believe I was in that tree the next weekend. <laughs> and so, it would have been like a, sat- a Saturday morning. I'm sitting there, and I had just an absolute hammer walk by. Couldn't, could not for the life of me find a window oh. to get an arrow through. And so I'm just sitting there all frustrated. It's the the week after I just lost a buck. Yep. And so next morning, I'm in there, and it's just just deer after deer after deer and we hit a slow spot about 7 30 so i get bored and i'll admit it i was scrolling through my phone and yeah just here comes a a doe and a buck busting over the hill they run right underneath me and stop like 30 yards past me and as i was probably a two-year-old so i'm just all right that was that was cool and yeah yeah turn turn back to where they come from and there he is standing on the side of the hill looking like he's like staring into my soul but he's actually looking at that young buck that's directly behind me okay and he takes off he takes off after that doe again the younger buck does and that that big one just completely lost track of what he was thinking put his nose right to the ground and was going that same trail that that stud did the morning before. Uh-huh. And I, I, I found a window this time. You <laughs> sit there and stare long enough, you find windows. 
So, uh, 40, so 43 yards. I stopped him and had had a hole about the size of a basketball and got her as, in there. As huh? soon as as soon as that light of knock went through him, there I could see blood spraying out of him. Oh man. So you got some heart so, there top of the heart. Yeah, I took the whole top of the heart off. Wow. That's awesome, man. So yeah, where what just yep. What's I mean, I like to I I should ask guys who are or who are just killers. You're a killer. What what is your like where do you try to pick your spot on a on a buck? Let's say you got one broadside. What's your landmark where you're aiming? I try to go straight up from the back of the front leg and then sit it back about three or four inches. Okay. And that's that's gonna it's gonna keep you away from that shoulder blade, but you still got plenty of rooms to right smack in the center of the lungs. Okay, so you're you're a long shooter guy. Yeah. Yeah. So so the reason I ask is I've and I I think we I don't know maybe we've yeah I think we've had this conversation before. I have shot many bucks, not many, but multiple. Probably I don't know three or four with my bow. And I've yet to no three bucks one doe, and I've yet to recover any of them. Um, all three of the bucks I believe lived. Um, one may have been a single long hit, but the more I learn about deer, I that that was uh, my I shot him back in twenty uh, twenty. Uh, but I think it may have actually been a, or no, that would have been, yeah, that would have been 2020, right? Yeah. But that may have actually been a brisket shot. And, um, then, and I found him a day, a day later, I found him a couple times and spooked him out of his bed both times. Okay. Um, at close range too. Like the first time was 15, 20 yards. And the second time was oh, five, five yards. Oh. And, um, uh, then another one was, a uh, spike in 2020 later that year, like a month later. And then, um, a doe I shot last year, I killed her, but she ran into uh, um, standing corn, about 100 acres of standing corn, and we searched till 2 a.m., and we lost blood. Like, it just cut off. Yeah. And and uh, I found her pheasant hunting, What you know, oh. a few of her bones, um, like a month later. And, I mean, I went back out, searched the next day, and just there was no sign of her anywhere yeah and um then i shoulder punched a buck last year and i believe he's alive the arrow fell out immediately and so i got like no penetration on him and yeah. you might be listening into the into this saying kent you need to quit man like and believe me i've had that thought you know like that's i'm out here wounding deer it's a miserable thing and i'm acting like i'm the one suffering here these animals are going through a nightmare because you know i can't pick a good spot but i'm also when it comes to bow hunting a pretty new hunter still and you know i practice a lot um and uh i think i'm 
you know, like it's not so much an inaccurate shot. It's that I'm not picking good spots to shoot. And I think with the doe, with that one, I just didn't have time to use my range finder. And I thought she was further away than what she was. Like I thought it was like closer to a 25, 30 yard shot when it was closer to a 20, 25 yard shot. So it just went like a touch high. Yeah. And, and it made the difference between double long to like single long and and liver you know like it was it it angled up too much my shot did and and i was hunting from the ground with her which that's always just tougher um, yeah yes it is to get that right shot angle you know but but um you know i i have committed so hard to doing better with my shot placement that i um, got a dead nuts outdoors target i don't know if you've seen those advertised I think, uh, yeah, I think so. The two-dimensional life-size, which is different yep. than most 3D targets. Most 3D targets yeah. are, what, one-third? Um, mm-hmm. This is a life-size target, and it has revolutionized my practice. Um, I'm able to just really see where I'm going. But the other problem was, last year, I could have killed that buck easily. I shot him right where I aimed. But the problem was, I was aimed too far forward because I was working so hard on getting to that tip of that vital V and getting that heart shot. And I learned shortly after that, that most guys don't go for a heart shot. It's just such a, you're talking a window the size of what, maybe an apple. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Whereas you go to the lungs, now you're talking a window the size of a basketball, you know, Mm -hmm. close, close to it. Um, and, and, uh, had I just went back three inches, he would have been dead in 50 yards, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so this year I'm just really working on that, just aiming for that that lung shot. So, yeah, you know, you can criticize me if you're listening. I deserve it. You know, I should be better. Um, uh, uh, I don't think Nate's going to criticize me because he's too nice. But, but, uh, no, and that's, <laughs> that's one thing, like looking back, looking back on – how you grew up hunting you didn't grow up bow hunting i didn't grow up bow hunting mm-hmm. you put your crosshairs on a deer's heart that bolt's going to go there before the deer even knows what happens mm-hmm. there's so many things that can go wrong when you punch that release and mm-hmm. that that arrow is not going 1200 feet per second yeah that's a good i mean point. You're, you're lucky if it, you're lucky if it's going 300 feet per second yeah that's a good point and like a, a bullet's going to go through a shoulder blade. So you might, with that gun, you're going to be like, oh, I made I made a great shot. Yeah. But you can't put you can't put that arrow in the same place as a bullet. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And um, I think, you know, it, it is not because I haven't practiced enough. So, I mean, now, the, the type of practice I'm doing, obviously I identified a problem that I had which was I wasn't using realistic targets. You know, just mm-hmm. shooting at painted circles on a block target yep. just does not, it doesn't teach you, it teaches you how to be accurate, but it doesn't teach you where to be accurate at, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's that's something I'm really trying to, to um, you know, adjust. And, you know, I think, you know, nobody wants to say this because you almost feel like you're jinxing yourself, but I might have like a touch of target panic too. You know, I don't think I have. Yeah, everybody, bad, everybody does. Yeah. 
but you know, so that's, that's part of it too. But, you know, I think getting confident with looking at that side profile of a deer is just going to help me so much, but yeah, any, any other teach, tips for me? Teaching you to pick a, it's teaching you to pick a hair and not a dot. Mm, yeah. And yep. Like you'll learn, like you just need experience. Like mm-hmm. it takes some failure, failures to learn where or what you need to do better. Yeah. Like you take someone who's never harvested a deer with a bow and they might go out and put, put there where it needs to go. And the deer runs 50, 70 yards and dies. Mm-hmm. Or you could have tens, like you could 10, 15, 20 deer under your belt with a bow. Your brain's just going to be more wired on picking up, picking a hair instead of a area. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. I appreciate you understanding that and, you know, giving me that, a little bit of coaching We've all there. been there. Yeah. You're lying if you say you've never done that before. So. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, yeah. I started to get the idea that, you know, it's like, and hearing other guys who are honest about their, the downside to when they hunt. Um, I start to get the vibe that if it's never happened to you, then you probably haven't hunted enough, you know, like exactly. You, yep. You, you haven't, you know, you, you've hunted long enough to maybe either get really lucky or just, uh, never have had a breakdown in your form or you never yep. had one jump the string a little bit, or you never had, you know, some kind of deflection that you didn't expect, or you just flat out miss too, you know? Yeah. And I've missed deer. Yeah. I, I think I've only just straight up missed one deer with my bow, I think. Um, and for that, I was thankful when that happened, you know, just yeah. a shot right under him, but, um, no. So this year, uh, I'm just really hoping to get it done. And, uh, I'm going to, I, uh, stayed up till, uh, well, I didn't stay up. I said every year tags go on sale on August 15th in Iowa. And, okay. um, there's two things that you want to be quick on the gun with when they go on sale, early muzzleloader, um, now, only an Iowa resident can hunt the early muzzleloader season. That is my favorite, favorite deer season in Iowa. Your has been bone, pretty good to you the last oh, couple Oh, man, years. yeah. I love, oh, man, I love it. Uh, it's it, You're bow hunting with a muzzleloader. So if you yeah. spend a lot of time learning how to bow hunt, and now all of a sudden you get to – so you're learning how to get close to deer into that, you know, tight, that tight quarters where you can get a archery range shot. Now all of a sudden put a muzzleloader in your hands with a scope on it. Yeah. Oh man, you are one bad man of jam up there in that tree. <laughs> but uh I can't do it this year. I gotta I have to work that week and um Oh. So but it's good for me too, you know? Like it's good for me to have to figure out how to be a good late muzzleloader hunter that yeah. this year. And uh something else Nate has encouraged me on is heading out to the sand hills of Nebraska to uh they call it the last prairie out there um really because it's the last big large scale prairie that hasn't seen a plow and uh his large i mean it's still grazed and everything but but uh it's largely unchanged from its original form and i work in the prairie business now so it's super uh cool thing for me but can you tell me a little bit about like what what i have to look forward to with that that hunt 
Yeah, so you're going out late season, correct? Yep. So I've never never hunted late season out there. We talked about that the other day. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're getting into late season, you're starting to get back into early season patterns, as weird as that sound. Some deer are going to be grouped up. They're going to be looking for food. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you can find where they're bedding and where they're feeding, which is exactly what we did last year, early season, Mm-hmm. You're going to be on deer all the time and every time you go out. That's and awesome. That, that that was a big key last year. We found their preferred food source and we found where they were wanting to bed at. And we were on a lot of deer, but we were on a lot of, lot of good deer. That's awesome. That's, that's good to hear. I, I need to get some more info from you after the, uh, yeah, the episodes sure. then. Now, uh, muley to whitetail ratio. What were you guys seeing? So the part of the state we hunted had both. Mm-hmm. But the terrain we were hunting, we, I think we, we've seen five or six whitetails. And okay. Probably now maybe, maybe 30 to 40 mealies. Oh man. We That's hunted, awesome. we hunted, we hunted three days. Three, three days. You hunted or? Yep, three days. Okay. We're on, we're on stocks every morning and almost every evening. Okay, wow. That's that's great to hear. Now, you were doing an archery season, right? Yep, yep. So that's obviously a whole different challenge. We're doing late muzzy. Um, yes, it is. Uh, you got a stock in wide open country on those things. Yeah. Did you? Now, uh, that was our joke last year. So I had a buddy go with me that had never been out there before. Not, on the way go, on the way out there, I'm like, "We'll get to a hundred. Like I, I can guarantee you, we'll get to, we'll get to a hundred. But that last 40, 50, 60 yards, that's hard. Yeah. And like the, the first stock we went on, hundred yards, and so the wind wind switched and. We got busted, and so it was kind of our joke by the by the end of the hunt. If only we had a muzzleloader, <laughs> we, we'd have been out of there the first morning if we both, both had muzzleloaders with us. That's awesome. Well, I I hope it's that way for uh, me and Caleb. Um, yeah. Did you guys camp the whole time, or did you stay in a hotel? Yep. Nope, we camped the whole time. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what we want to yeah. do. Um, this is yep. a good chance to do a little commercial for Alex Gruen at East West Hunts. Alex, I talk about all the time on here at the end of every episode. I give a little commercial for the sponsors of the show. And East West Hunts um, does gear rentals. So Alex, he is a gear junkie, and he hunts all over the place. So he's got basically every kind of every piece of gear you could need for a, for a backcountry hunt or a, you know, um, hunt in a totally different spot than where you live and uh so we're gonna rent a hot tent and stove from alex and uh okay because it's gonna be in december and yeah, um, it's gonna be cold yep it'll be cold and uh we're going to um you know need to stay safe and be able to get dry you know at the end of the day like sweating in your winter gear and um uh getting wet from all the snow that you're walking through possibly and and ice and stuff like that. So we're going to need to use a hot tent that we get from Alex. Yeah. So I was wondering if you guys were 
planned on staying in a hotel or if you're going to get like a canvas style tent with a stove. Yeah. So yes. my buddies that went out there a couple years ago, they tried, they tried sleeping in their truck the first night and he's like, yep, I, I would never do that again. <laughs> Just cause it was so cold and you probably yeah, had he's like, probably like turning like, the got, truck on all the time. He's like, got to the point where I just left truck on. <laughs> the gas bill just went way up for that. Trip. Yeah. <laughs> well, the way I look at it is like, if we, if we want to stay in a hotel, you know, the, you're talking now, Nebraska is not, I don't, I don't know where they rank in population compared to the rest of the States. But out there in the Sand Hills, I've only been to the Sand Hills one other time in my life. I drove through there when I was like a freshman in high school. And I remember sitting there looking out the window and thinking to myself, where do these people get stuff? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, because yeah, like, this was before the days of, you know, you get everything on Amazon. That was back when Amazon was a bookstore, <laughs> an online bookstore. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, like, what do they do when they need new clothes? <laughs> what about new shoes? I mean, where, where do they go? Yeah. And and uh, it is it is very, very sparsely populated. And so um, if we were to stay in a town, you know, you're talking, it could be a 45-minute to hour drive oh, every day to get yeah. from your motel to where you're going to hunt. And I just figure, you know what, if we really want to hit it hard, we can pitch a tent next to the truck. And if it gets really cold, we can climb yep. in the truck and warm up. But if we got that little stove, you know, um, we can, yeah. uh, we'll probably be in pretty good shape. So um, another little tip there, Alex talked about this on a recent episode during our elk series. Um, uh, if, if you, plan out your gear correctly like if you have a he calls them puffies like your outer layer like uh mm -hmm. most people just wear them for glassing when you're just sitting still yeah. for a while so it's not like really something you do a lot of active hunting in. you could but um it's like down puffy pants and down puffy jacket that you pull over your your other more yeah. active layers and if you wear those at night and oh, the hard part is having something to keep your feet warm in the bottom of your, yeah. your sleeping bag because you're not going to be putting your boots on <laughs> to sleep in those. <laughs> and, uh, no. and so, but if you get like down, you know, into your, into your puffies and, you know, I got a zero degree bag and then have an insulated pad to go on the ground. And then here's another tip. Quit throwing your deer hides away. People, if you shoot something that you're not going to cape out, um, skin it out, Go get that hide tanned, and uh, if you're not, like, doing a huge backpacking trip, you know, like where you're concerned about weight and packability of stuff, you're going to be camping next to your truck, bring that tanned deer hide and throw that down on your uh, sleeping pad under your sleeping bag. Those things are meant to keep animals alive laying in the snow, <laughs> you know, when it's, like, 40 below zero out. Yeah. And they're going to keep you warm sleeping. I've done that before on a really cold shed hunt that I did with my brother, Jake, we camped okay. out and I, I brought a deer hide that I had off this big old buck. And, uh, he had a, he had a, it's kind of like that one thirty five you're talking about. He didn't have a giant rack, but he was, 
he was just a big body buck. I, I really think he was probably pushing 300 pounds. Um, oh, wow. He was just a monster. And, um, but a tiny little rack, you know? And, yep. and, uh, so knowing that he was such a big buck, I was like, man, I want this hide off of here. This is like a blanket, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. and so I, I, that's what I did. I made a great sleeping pad. So I figured I'd do that on an insulated pad, zero degree bag, sleep with my puffies on, have the little stove going, you know, we should be pretty comfortable. And then, you know, we're ready to go right away in the morning. You know, we can pull into a spot every night, yeah. set up set up camp and um you know get going so of course you won't shower but you know yeah. sacri- sacrifices you yeah pay. yep and we can get to 100 yards right we can stock to 100 yards <laughs> yeah yeah so no i'm i'm super excited about that so that's why i'm going to be hunting the late muzz this year but what's your plans what are you so you're hunting wisconsin what are you doing in illinois uh i'll have my boat tag, I'll have a firearm tag and a muzzleloader tag, and we're leaving in about two weeks to head out to Nebraska for a couple of days before classes start. Oh man, so you're you're like you're you're really drooling while we're talking about this because man, it's almost time. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's about that time. So archery again, then, huh? Yep. Uh, yep. Do, you, do you feel like you? you uh grow in your skill and experience exponentially when you do something like that absolutely especially the shooting aspect of it because you got the mindset going out there that you're gonna on paper you're gonna have to shoot be able to shoot 100 yards with your bow like you're not you're not gonna shoot that you're not gonna shoot that animal that far obviously but if you're not if you're not hit in that 80 90 100 yard on the range you're you're gonna you're gonna struggle and that was one thing like i sh- i shot my bow like no tomorrow last year before we headed out there and then it was like you're sitting in a tree stand and a bill buck strolls by at 20 yards it's like huh like i've i've shot five times this distance like it just makes Makes some close shots that much easier. It gives you that much more confidence. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's that's a good point there, and something that people need to understand. Now, what are you doing for a sight for shots that far? Are you using a like a slider or single I, pin? I run a single pin. Yep. Okay. Yep, single pin. Yeah, I I think that it's so smart to go to that. I I tried doing a five pin sight my second year of of uh, like arch. I'd say, I guess, you know, like really, uh, disciplined archery hunting, I guess, where I've, you know, technically the first year I went out, it was to, I borrowed a friend's bow because I had wounded a giant buck. I mean, 200 inch caliber deer during, uh, early muzzleloader. And yeah, my first year hunting, no, second year hunting early muzz. And holy cow, I shot. I mean, this this guy belonged on the cover of Field and Stream. I mean, just a <laughs> freak. Well, to put it in perspective, there's probably a 165 or 170 standing next to him. You know, this is just like the dream bachelor group. 
and he dwarfed him. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, you know those... Uh, oh, boy. You know those uh, Star Wars... This is the only way I can explain it. Those I'm not a big Star Wars guy, so I don't know the name of them, but uh, <laughs> I don't even know what side they're. Darth Vader's team, <laughs> the bad guys. <laughs> you know they're you know they're uh, they're like the bad guy starships. Uh, what is it? The Empire? Is that what it is? Or is it? Yeah, yeah. No, maybe the Empire's yeah. the good guys. I don't know. But uh, I don't have a clue. Well, you know how they had like the ships with. Uh, like the vertical, you know, boxy looking things on the sides. And they were like the round yeah. ball in the center. Yep. Uh, that's how this buck looked. He, his oh, rack boy. just looked like this spaceship, like floating around his head. <laughs> and, and I had like a 120 yard shot on a hundred yard shot. And looking back at it, I was trying to be too perfect with the shot. And it was the last five minutes of legal light. And um, I was like, all right, I got to get him in the heart. And looking back at it, so he was slightly quartering two with his butt facing me. And um, it, I should have just aimed back. And like gone through his diaphragm, blown out his lungs and everything. And I tried to aim for that perfect shoulder shot, you know. Yep. And I think I just grazed him. Like he didn't even react when I hit him. Oh. And so I thought, well, I don't know how I could have missed, you know. But yeah. he also didn't react. And when he trotted off, he didn't. He wasn't like sprinting or anything. So I thought, well, maybe I just flat out missed. We walked out. We found where he was standing in a standing bean field because there was fresh droppings there. And okay. we found some tracks, but no blood. We didn't find any blood. Um, so I could have missed him, and that's kind of what I was thinking. Well, then the farmer who rents the ground found him limping around uh, in, a, oh. in the last 10 acres of, of standing corn that he had to harvest on the farm. Like he was, he was like hunkered down. Like he was hurt, you know, like that I'm, I'm staying mm -hmm. close. And so I was like, well, I got to get back out with a bow. So that was the first year I went out with a bow and, um, didn't see him again or anything. So then like, yeah. you know, then I hunted the next year had, had unfortunately another wounded buck. And then the next year I hunted, I went to a five pin site and it was horrible. I went from a three pin mm -hmm. to a five pin and there's just so much going on inside that site housing. Yeah, that it's a lot to look at. Exactly, that's a good way. And you know, honestly, it blocks your target. I feel it does. Uh, yeah. You you just can't see it. And um, so I started hearing people talking about this single pin site, and I always thought that was ludicrous. I was like, who in their right mind is going to just have a single pin in there and then you got to crank this little knob on the side when a, when you yep. get a buck walking up that just seems so stressful well then my brother jake shoots a buck his first year bow hunting with a single pin sight on a uh <laughs> on a bow that is his friend lent him i think you probably know this friend or at least know of him garrett fike um yep. so yep. he's you know he's from our neck of the woods and and uh, Garrett lent, lent him his his bow, his compound, because he was shooting all uh, traditional archery all at the traditional. time. Yep. And uh, Jake tags a nice buck. 
um, his first year bowling. So, all right, it must be like something you can catch on to. And then I was talking with Fike about it, and he's like, well, you kind of use it like a – I was like, so you adjust that thing every time you go to shoot. You crank on that knob and dial it in. He's like, no, I just set it for like, you know, I think he said probably 20 yards is where he's got it set. And then you just treat it kind of like a gun sight. You like know where to aim on a deer if it's at 10 yards or if it's at 30 yards, you know, you gotta, you're going to have to aim high at 30 yards. You're going to have to aim low at 10 yards, you know? And, and so it almost combines that instinctive shooting of traditional archery equipment with somebody who's using, you know, pins on a compound. So I think that's a phenomenal way to shoot. I kind of chose middle ground and I have a three pin, three pin slider. And, uh, I haven't set my slider yet because I don't really need it, but I have that option. It's a black gold. I want to say it's like a mountain light maybe. Um, so it's got the three pins in the house and then it's got the two slider marks. Um, on the dial on the side. And so something like that would be really good. I got to think for doing a, uh, yeah, a mule deer hunt. And that's what really, it's yeah. a, it's a Western bow site really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I made the switch to a single pin probably three or four years ago. I had the same thing. I shot a five pin mm-hmm. and it was, it's just a lot to look at. Yep. And like, if you're, if you're sitting in a, in a tree stand, like, like yeah, you might have hunt some open timber, but you could set that pin at thirty even, and you'd be mm. you good at twenty, get at forty. Yeah, yep, yeah. I I just think it's it's become like the thing you know a, a no brainer now to to have something like that, and just to have that adjustability. You know, now you yeah. don't have to go to a whole new setup when you go and do a Western hunt like that, you know, you can still use the same, mm-hmm. same bow and, and, um, you know, the guy at the archery shop, he told me the value. Cause it's like, who needs to be shooting out there at, you know, in whitetail country. He's like, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. But he's like, what if you wound a buck or get a hit that you're not quite sure about? And he runs out to 80 and what are whitetails famous for stopping and turning around, you know? And, Uh, what if he runs out to 80 stops to turn around and look at you and you could have dialed that thing to 80 yards and you might not be a great shot at 80 yards, but you already hit him once. You may as well try and finish it now. And yeah, that's a really good point. (laughs) Yeah. You, you owe it to the animal. If they give you a second shot, once you already got one in it, I mean, if you, if you shoot a deer at the gun, he runs out to 80 and stops. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to shoot him again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's exactly right. So, man, I'm excited for you to, to see, to see, uh, what you're able to get done this year. I hope this is the year you can, um, you know, seal the deal on one. You thinking about doing anything different with like your, uh, camo or like you thinking of maybe doing a, um, a ghillie suit. I know you've done some of that in Illinois. For out out west, you mean? Yeah, for Nebraska. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna run the same same setup I ran last year. So I I got confidence with it. 
Sure. So, do you do face yeah, paint and stuff? Stickle product. No. Nope. No. Yeah, me neither. What do you think of? I mean, that stuff's. But, yeah, what do you think of face paint? Not as, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> well, you got a big bushy beard, you know. It's like, yeah. I think the idea is more like, can you break up your silhouette? And yeah. <laughs> I just think of the the uh, acne ramifications of smearing grease all over my face. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. In, in my in my opinion, it's not your face that kills you; it's your eyes. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. you get. Like when deer get close, I, I try to like squint my eyes enough to where I can I can still see what's going on. Yeah. But if they look up at me, they're not going to see two bright white things up in a tree staring yeah. at them. Well, and you know that's one of the arguments for people saying why humans are not meant to be vegetarian. You know, or like, like why? Maybe that's not the right way to say it. Maybe it's an argument to say why we are, are built for eating meat is we have forward facing eyes, which is a common trait among predators is, is we have that, that forward gaze. We don't have eyes on the side of our, our heads like uh, prey species. And uh, yeah, so I, I think that, you know, that morphology side of it, that anatomy side of it, um, is probably a better word than morphology. Um, uh, that supports what your, you know, what your argument is. And I do the same thing. You know, if I got a buck coming in at close quarters, I look away from him. Like, I, you know, I'm not like mm-hmm. jerking my head away, like spooking him, but like, I, yeah. I try not to like make eye contact for that exact reason. I, they know when you're mm-hmm. looking at him. So, Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. That's a that's a big deal being able to stock in like that. Um, speaking of uh, Fike and my brother Jake, they did a similar hunt out in North Dakota last year, and um, okay, Fike ended up getting a muley. Um, did he? Yeah, I think he got it. I want to say his shot was maybe thirty yards. It was with a uh, it was with traditional archery uh, equipment, and. Um, so you should maybe, uh, reach out to him, see if he's got any, any, uh, tips that he found to work for, um, you know, closing the distance in that tight. I, I, th- I, I don't know how much you can do, you know, but it's actually pretty similar habitat there, I think, as it is in, in that part of Nebraska, you know, kind of scrubby, yeah. rolling hill, prairie stuff. Um, uh, there's actually, you can hear the whole interview, uh, came up back this spring, I think around episode 115, maybe 114, somewhere in there. Okay. And um, uh, it, it was kind of it was bittersweet. You know, he got a nice muley buck, but um, the coyotes got it first, and oh man, just devoured the thing. I mean, the, it's oh. it's crazy how quick a work they can make on a on a down deer you know yeah yeah so but oh i'm i'm really excited to see that happen um you know another thing that we talked about in this episode was your fanged deer uh (laughs) yes so fangs on deer 
is something that has been observed in the fossil record um, at some point through natural selection uh, those fangs have largely left the gene pool um, in deer however not totally and what what were the odds again of you shooting a I think fang? It was like- one, one in ten thousand, or one in a hundred thousand. I think I believe it was, I, is what it was. The the thing that stuck out in my mind, I might be wrong in this, was I think you said one in sixty thousand. Sixty thousand. I think so. I think that's what you said. All right, but I could be. I yeah, could I be wrong. It, it was definitely more than ten thousand. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But um, just an insane thing. But and that was something you didn't know till you. Uh, you uh, skinned him out for a euro yeah, mount, right? Didn't know till I caped him out. Yeah, man. So that was that was pretty cool. Can you tell a story about that buck? Yeah. So sitting in that that same tree that I killed, shot them two out of this year, the killing tree. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I, it was first weekend uh, Illinois firearm season. I couldn't hunt Friday, so Saturday morning I knew. Knew where I was going, <laughs> and so I sneak in there, and it's probably about that same about seven thirty, and he stands up out of his bed at eighty yards and starts feeding through the timber right to me. Oh man! And I I shot him at about sixty, and it's kind of down in a ravine, and he, so he didn't know where it, where it come from. Mm-hmm. He turned and ran straight, ran straight to me. <laughs> I end up, I shot him again at thirty, and he ran up over the hill thirty yards and piled up. Wow, wow! What did what did he end up scoring again? He was like right around that one thirty mark as a straight eight. That's awesome. Yeah, I love those. I love those uh, big eights like that. I think they're such a it's super tall dude. twos too. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and uh, yeah, you've had some other weird things happen. I remember maybe it was a year before that he shed your buck shed after you shot it, right? Yeah, yeah, I shot him the last day of season, and I found one ant. I I watched him tip over, but I found one antler on the blood trail, <sighs> and then when I when I rolled him over to field dress him, his other antler come off. <laughs> That is just so wild. I'm glad you found him. Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, like you, you see, you see people happen on TV or YouTube, and you think that what are the odds that's going to happen to me? Yeah. And the last last couple hours of the season, I shot him at 12 yards, and yep, sure enough. Do you remember both his antlers just came off? Yeah, it's just so wild. Do you remember when you looked at the bases of those antlers? Were they concave or convex? So concave means like caved in. Convex means like yeah. popped out. Yeah. You remember? No, they were popped out. They were popped out? Okay. Because yeah. they say yeah. that bucks that are that have like some kind of health problem, like maybe an injury from the rut, maybe they got hit by an arrow, you know, earlier in the season, um, 
maybe they had EHD, I suppose, could be maybe one of them. And, you know, they kind of pulled out of that, but still it harmed their health. Um, I read recently uh, that if you look at a shed and if it's concave on the base, that represents poor health. And uh, so I was wondering if okay. if that buck, you know, if that was a deal for him. Um, well, you know, Mr. Fritch, uh, Mr. Fritch and I yep. are gr- great friends. And I don't know if I ever told you the story about when we were squirrel hunting. Uh, sort of been uh, two years. Yeah, two you found half. found that them yeah. sheds, and then didn't you find his carcass? Yeah, well, I found his carcass first, and I was like, "Wait a minute, this oh. is a shed buck." And this is this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, and and so you know that's what the twentieth ish. Of, of February or uh, January. January. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. very early in the shed season. And um, I'm like, hey, Fritch, check this out. And, and uh, you know, we're staring at, you know, I'm staring at it. He comes walking over. I'm like, man, his shed's got to be, you know, somewhat close. I can see his bloody bases on his skull here. And he was totally devoured. Buck was totally gone. And, um, Fritz just goes, Oh, here they are. And they're piled up on, they're stacked on top of each other, five yards away, frozen under the ice that came on new year's day. So he had shed and died prior to new year's day. And so after I read that, I went and looked at, cause Fritz kept it aside and I kept aside. I went and grabbed my, my side of that buck and sure enough, that thing was convex or concave. It was it was uh it was uh, dipped in at the base, and uh, or dished in, I guess I should say. And um, it you know it proved yeah this buck clearly was unhealthy. Something had happened to him, and uh, he died in shed very you know, and shed very early. So. Yeah, kind of an interesting thing. It makes me a little nervous because I'm hunting the late muzzleloader there in Nebraska and in uh, Iowa, you know. <laughs> I don't want yeah. him to shed after I shoot, <laughs> shoot one if I, get a, if I get a nice buck to shoot this year. But speaking of sheds, you ever find any out there in Nebraska while you're hunting? We have not, no. Yeah, that might just be the difference in winter range versus yeah. You know, late summer range and uh but yeah i'm wondering if i'm wondering if we'll uh we'll find any while we're uh out there hunting um a uh long time listener of the podcast um just to preview another thing we're gonna go and uh pay a visit to him he invited us to come and shed hunt his ranch and uh we'll have him on the podcast with us um soon i mean you know like this coming shed season and uh so we're stoked about that that is also in nebraska yeah that'll be fun oh is it man. okay yep yep so uh i'll have to i'll have to tell you some more details about that after the show but um he is an awesome guy and super generous so we're looking forward to that um but yeah so much to look forward to i'm excited for you going into this season i'm excited for uh uh your 
return trip to Nebraska, your last year hunting in Wisconsin. I hope you get a giant while you're up there in Wisconsin. Or even Me too. even uh even a uh two and a half year old world beaten one twenty five on the last day of November yep. would be sweet too. Um you know, just to have a, a scony buck up there on your wall along with all your other yes. your other bucks that you got. And um, you know, of course, hunting on the home place, it doesn't get any better than that. Um No it doesn't. You know you have you've hunted the same area most of your life. Are you hunting the same properties that you hunted when you first went with your dad? Uh the the one that that lucky tree's on is the same farm that grandpa started hunting 30 years ago. Wow. And, and uh that, that's Stan's been in that area probably just as long. Wow, that's incredible. You know, that I think being able to tag animals where like where your place is, like your favorite place in the world, I'm going to guess is probably yeah. there. And yep. um, my favorite place in the world is, of course, the home farm here. We moved out here to be on the farm. And uh, there, there's just an extra like you could be hunting the, you know, you could be hunting elk in Arizona and that that'd be awesome that would be incredible you know running around with 380s everywhere and yeah. and you know hearing bugling and everything like that but it's still not like the place you know and nope and uh never you know, will so, be that's right there's something to say about having that that place and and really you know i think that's what gets hunters uh, to be on board with being good conservationists. They protect those places that are so dear to them because they, they live so close to them. And it, mean, it's, it packs so much more meaning than anything else could. Um, and so uh, I think it's really cool that you're going back and hunting there. What's, what's next after college? Are you going to stay in Illinois or are you going to be uh, pointing your wagons west? No, I, I plan on staying in Illinois for now. That's awesome. Hopefully, hopefully get a farm within the next couple of years, be able to buy my own farm and Hey, that's awesome. Start man. doing things I want to do, so. Yep. Yep. That sounds that sounds amazing. Um, you know, if you do uh if you do uh move over to Iowa though, you can always draw every year in Illinois. Um I can. And then, and then you can uh you can hunt uh Iowa every year too and uh, i can't say that hasn't crossed my mind <laughs> it's a the, hey the it's, company a, I'm, it's a smart thing to do the company i'm working for is actually out of iowa so well there you go man yeah there you go but yeah it's it's pretty hard to find uh farm ground in anywhere but i think a yeah. little bit easier in illinois than than in iowa but uh, no, that's, uh, that's awesome. And, I uh, wish you the best for that. Really appreciate you coming on, uh, the podcast again. It's been great catching up with you. How can people, uh, find you these days? Oh uh, yeah. You, on Instagram, it's hunting.fishing.illinois and just Nate Olson on Facebook. And I don't, don't post a whole lot, but usually pretty good when I do. So sure. Are you going to be doing any, uh, YouTube stuff? on your own now that uh you're kind of a solo operator up there probably not i'm i'm 
I'm a killer, not a not a filmmaker. So I got yeah. a hard time picking up a camera when I got a deer coming in. Yep. No, I got you there, man. That's that's such a hard thing to to transition to and and uh, want you know have the the energy to do it too. You know, all the yeah. editing. And, yeah, it's a lot. And everything. And yeah. everything else so but i'm thankful there, for the, there the will guys. be a, there will be a camera over my shoulder in nebraska though so awesome well i think maybe you should get your own youtube channel going and you just <laughs> throw footage up on there but, but yeah um, that'd be that'd be pretty sweet but well thanks again man for tuning in thank you to or for tuning in for joining me for this interview and thank you to everyone else for tuning in uh do remember this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is helping Caleb and me plan this hunt out to Nebraska. We are super excited about it. We're already passing around waypoints and stuff like that between each other. And uh, we're looking at what our public land options are, what our private land options are, whose door we want to knock on. All of that made possible by the incredible mapping uh, provided through Spartan Forge. Again, Spartan Forge is created by Bill Thompson, a retired military intelligence serviceman, and uh, he pours his experience, his heart and soul, into making Spartan Forge what an awesome product that it is. And um, uh, just the mapping detail as we look at these places out in Nebraska has just been uh, tremendous to be able to uh to take advantage of and so i strongly advise you if you have not yet download spartan forge it's a free download you get all the landowner information for free if you download spartan forge now if you want like the really good stuff that goes along with it like the deer behavior prediction and all that well then you're going to pay for the subscription you can either do a monthly payment or you can do a yearly payment i suggest doing the yearly payment um you'll save yourself a little bit of money in the end, but also you can just access everything all year round, which is super nice. And then also we're going to be using Alex, as I mentioned earlier, to help us with planning this hunt and having the gear that we need for this hunt. So uh, if you have not yet gotten on board with Alex and uh, you know kick the tires on what he has to offer, you need to do so. We all have dream hunts that we want to make happen, and Alex will help you make that a reality and not just getting there and going on the hunt, but actually having your best uh, chance at filling tags. Your those, uh, those chances increase when you have Alex working with you. I know it for a fact. I've seen it happen with a lot of his other clients and I've seen it happen with myself and uh, my hunting buddy out in Montana just recently. And so uh, you need to talk to Alex, go to eastwesthunts.com and uh, you can get some money off of uh, his services if you mention that you heard him or heard about him on this podcast by uh, either entering the promo code FIRSTGEN10 at checkout or uh, just saying, hey, Alex, I heard about you on the First Gen Hunter podcast. And uh, then you will get a 10% savings on whatever uh, service you're getting from East West Hunts. Again, eastwesthunts.com is where you will find that. And then uh, last but not least, you plan the hunt, you use the mapping, you put it all together, you fill the tag. It's a butte. Maybe it's like a, just a nice solid, you know, three-year-old buck and you just want a, a Euro mount on it. Or maybe it is a, uh, a you know, majestic trophy that absolutely is going to get a shoulder mount or full body mount maybe. Um, 
go to Old Barn Taxidermy. They will take care of you. Um, they are a sponsor of the show. Uh, Sam Gaylord is just a, a world-class taxidermist. she has been doing it for such a long time. He's a perfectionist. Um, while I was down there talking with Sam, he uh, pointed out his first buck that he harvested with his bow. It was up in the wall of the shop. And he said, I think he said he has um, remounted that buck. I can't remember how many times. It was, I think It was over 10, I believe. He has redone the mount on that buck because he just wants it to be as perfect as it can be, <laughs> and and uh, um, he he just like pays that much attention to detail. He just wants to get it exactly how he wants it, <clears throat> and that's the kind of guy you want working on your taxidermy. Don't settle for bad taxidermy. Go to the professionals. Go to Old Barn Taxidermy. You can find their link in the show notes. You can look them up on Instagram. See a lot of the work they do. Um, at Old Barn Taxidermy, or you can uh, go to my Instagram and see two beautiful bucks. And I even got a Euro mount on there that they uh, did for me, maybe two Euro mounts actually that they've done for me on there um, as well. So uh, go check them out. And they also did my deer hide that I use for camping. So you can get it all there at Old Barn Taxidermy. And make sure you tell them that this podcast, the first 100 podcast sent you there. Well, thank you again to Nate and thank you again to the listeners. Please leave that five-star review on the podcast. If you haven't done so yet, what that does is that the more reviews we get, that starts to get the podcast trending on uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify where you can leave those reviews and um, gets people, uh, you know, to the show and hopefully learning more about hunting and learning about what it takes to stick with it and learning the truth behind a lot of what goes on with hunting. Like we talked about tonight with Nate. So, well, man, we made it. This was my fifth podcast today. I told Nate that at the beginning That's of the crazy. show, I did a pick and bones episode this morning. Then I did two work podcasts, full length podcasts. Then we did, we have kind of like a pick and bones type podcast at work too, called coffee time. We did a coffee time podcast on the road on the way home from those two podcasts and now nate is number five tonight and nate i i felt like the most comfortable with this podcast of all of them today like my brain was actually functioning well and and it's just great talking with you again man so thanks yeah for, it was good to catch up yeah absolutely it's great catching up with you thank you again listeners until next time everybody take care and take someone hunting